When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and I have three lovely colleagues with me here today. Uh, we have Russell Myers, who's on the royal beat at the moment and was in Amiens with Prince William yesterday. So it was, hello. We'll be talking about that later. And joining us as well, uh, Julie Delahaye from Travel. Hi. And Danielle Stacey here for her very last podcast with us because she is leaving I know I'm sorry we're very very <laughs> sad but she's got she's got an exciting job to go to and she will be doing royal coverage all of the time all the time all yes. of the time so she's off to work for Yahoo and we wish her the very best of luck and maybe we might wangle getting her back to come and visit and talk talk with us again at some stage anyway um so we're going to make it a good one for Danielle's last show and it will be our last show for a couple of weeks as well um, we're going to have a little holiday the royals are all on holiday so we figure we deserve a break as well so make the most of make the most of this episode there's plenty more for you to listen back to from the back catalogue um, and we'll be back very soon so subscribe and then you'll hear straight away when we are back on your airwaves um, but today we're going to start off with um, a little bit of, not a holiday but Russell did get to go abroad I mean it is one of the good things about being know, a journalist yeah, you been, do sometimes yeah. get to go to some if only interesting I was racking places. up the air miles but uh yeah it was um we went and spent the day in Amiens in northern France which was this scene of a um tremendous battle at the uh towards the, towards the end of World War One um and I must must admit I, I mean I had had heard of the Battle of Amiens before but didn't realize its significance towards the uh, the end of uh, of the um of World War One and eventually leading to to, to Armistice Day but um um, I mean, it was absolutely. Uh, so something may have seen the pictures, or you know, a lot of it was televised of the um, commemoration uh, event yesterday. But it was it was absolutely incredible. It's not often that I'm less speechless, but it it, it really was quite moving. The whole experience, to be honest. So what what was it? talk us through the day? Like, so the, the so events. very briefly, brief history lesson. Well, the Battle of Amiens was on the eighth of August, or began on the eighth of August. The, the first offensive over um, a, a, an area um, of the town of Amiens in northern France for the Allied forces to push the Germans um, back even further and to sort of box them in and. Um, Long story short, it, it ended. The offensive was the first time that the Allied forces had had um, uh, come together in such a way, using uh, aircrafts 
uh, tanks, the cavalry, the infantry moving forward, and the two. It was the biggest single, single most um, biggest advancement of the uh, of the war, and they they managed to, to regain fifteen kilometers in in just one single day, um, and that led to the destruction of the German forces at that frontier and, and, and led them to essentially give up and, and realise that the, the war was lost. So for, from that, um, that turning point on the war, it's, we, we're now celebrating this week the 100 years since, since, the, um, since the battle. And, um, uh, and, and, and Amiens obviously being, being the centrepiece was um, uh, the, the focus for, for yesterday's event. So we had, uh, the actual event was staged by the UK government, but obviously there was the French, Canadian, American forces, all dignitaries from those countries. Obviously we had the Duke of Cambridge, Prince William was there, Theresa May, uh, dignitaries from, from the countries I just mentioned, and, and um, all representatives from all uh, fractions of the of the armed forces from those countries as well. So there was, I think there's 3,000 people odds there, 2,000 in the cathedral. The cathedral's the, the largest Gothic cathedral in the whole of Europe. It's um, it actually dwarfs Notre Dame Cathedral. It's, it's absolutely spellbinding. Because the, the town itself, I went... Um many years ago so I was during my gap year I was lucky enough to live in not gap year year abroad working at university and was lucky enough to live in Paris for three months and my parents came over to do the battlefield right, right. battlefield visit with my brother and I went up and met them in Amiens and the, the cathedral is enormous compared to the Absolutely, town as yeah. I remember yeah, it yeah, like, t- it sounds really small and, and, and there's a small town lots of countryside Abbeville which is just outside it which is uh, again you've got a small hamlet but the, the cathedral dwarfs anything that's there, and um, you can see it from sort of, sort of four, the four points of the town almost. It's um, it's absolutely incredible. So, what was Prince William's role in the day? So, Prince William was obviously um, representing the UK, really, and he was uh, because it was a UK government-led service. Um, but, but I think the reason for that was not only the, the French had been doing a lot of their own commemorations, and the uh, the British forces, in conjunction with the uh, American and French, were. The, the main leaders of this particular battle, and, and therefore we basically put on put on the um, centenary event. So he was there with uh, Theresa May, um, and he was taking a, a huge. Uh, he was the focal point, really. He was the sort of guest of honour. He gave a speech right at the um, uh, uh, at the beginning after the introduction by um, the the the. the uh, the priest at the beginning, and it was the, the bishop of Amiens. Uh, but yeah, he he spoke about this sort of the concept of the people coming to all, all the different factions of um, the countries coming together now, who had been once former enemies, and it was particularly poignant uh, talking about the you know the people who had died and their sacrifice, and the people uh, the the Allied forces coming together over that course of um, time to to change the course of history. Um, you've mentioned Theresa May a, a few times. Yes. Um, the, there's obviously, it was obviously a lot of um, dignity about the you know the service, and that was all very moving. But um, Theresa May has an unfortunate habit of getting pictured so badly, and she's not figured out how to curtsy really. Has it's, she? Uh, I mean, you can't get away from you know not mentioning it. It was it was particularly bad yesterday. I thought. I mean, I actually feel quite sorry for but for you. Sorry for her because. William's about six foot three, six foot four. He, he's, he's a pretty tall guy. She's quite small. She kind of walks awkwardly anyway, I feel. And then the pictures were from the side, but from, you know, taken upwards almost. And it just looked looked really bad. So I, felt, I felt quite bad for her, like, yeah, seeing the photos. I feel bad for her. So it's just 
difficult. I mean, is it is, was it did the pencil skirt not help? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's, the it's situation is. Impressive because it actually, you know, not many people can do what looked like a deep lunge in a pencil skirt. <laughs> um, has anyone ever tried doing that? Because I haven't, and it, it doesn't end well. Um, but yeah, maybe she's got a Fitbit on. Maybe she's trying to get her, you know, get her steps. <laughs> <to. laughs> so in terms of the the service itself and the. Um, was it? I mean, it must have been quite moving. Oh, particularly being in moving. There. I mean, there was. You had uh, this, obviously the speeches from William. Theresa May didn't really speak right to the very end, but the the mayor of Amiens spoke. The, the French dignitaries, uh, one of the French dignitaries, spoke. Um, then you had the senior generals throughout the, all of the armies: Australian, U.S., French, and, and British. But the, the the most poignant was um, throughout. I mean, the service lasted two hours, and I thought, you know, this is going to go on quite a while but um, the speeches from the extracts from serving soldiers from the battle uh, taken from their diaries at the time or letters that they'd sent to their families that the descendants had then passed on were were absolutely incredible I mean some of them absolutely haunting about the you know the reality and the brutal brutal reality of war um, you know, we're talking to young men who are probably sort of 18, 19 years old, some of them, um, talking about the actual turn of the war, how it had been signalled to them that this massive offensive was going to happen. I mean, the, the war was already sort of nearly four, well, four years old by this time, and some of them must have thought there was no end in sight, and, and yet less than three months later, it was all over. And we've, we've been commemorating 100 years on from the First World War for a, a few years now, obviously, because it, you know, it, was a, it was a, went on for a long, long time. And the royal family have been very much part of that all the way along. I think, we, you know, remember the pictures of them when there was the, the poppies at the Tower of London was probably the one that really stands yeah. out stands out in my mind for um, you know the, the Queen and um, Prince got, Philip I think moving through that poppy um, meadow no because well, obviously William's the head of state but he's also served in the military and you've got you know that that um, association with the royal family as well um, I, we'll, we'll definitely see a lot happening around November time with the, with the royals after their summer break but as you said there's, there's been um, a lot of commemorations but uh, this, this, this to me seemed one of the most poignant I think because of, the, of how, how important it was to the actual um, the, the ending of, of, of war that raged for you know, four years I think the commemorations as well have probably been making more people think oh go to the battlefields yeah. go, go see the the, I mean, it's, it, they're vast. The graveyards there, aren't they? Yeah, I well, I I mean, I went when I was about. I went on a school trip when I was about twelve. But I remember, even if you couldn't appreciate maybe at that age how like monumental it is, like the it's it's just so impressive. Like I think if you like history and if you're kind of fascinated by the war, it's just like it's this incredible experience. And now they do a lot more. Um, they do a lot more like you can do like self-guided tours and there are like coach holidays that do little trips they kind of stop up stop off at all the villages and they kind of have a bit more organized holidays so like if it is something you want to do there are like ways to kind of learn all about it in the process but then like i'm like we you were talking about i on the cathedral but i was having a bit um i actually haven't been but i was having a bit of a research and um i don't know if it's just because i'm a bookworm but there's actually next to the near the cathedral there's the Jules Verne museum yeah yeah where yeah. he so he wrote like around the world in 80 days and stuff and mm. it's just it's like his old house so like oh, wow. this is what I love about the French countryside it's like it's a bit like the British countryside where you'll just be like you know in a small village and then there's this epic cathedral and then it just happens <laughs> to be home yeah. to like this yeah. epic author and yeah. I just I think it's definitely like it's definitely worth going to see 
but it is really moving like you know at 12 years old I was quite tearful and I mean teenage girls are always tearful but it was <laughs> it was particularly like emotional and it's it's really interesting because you like we obviously read about it so much in the history books and stuff but when you're actually there and you see like these giant battlefields like it's just really impressive like I just because the landscape there is it's quite sort of flat and relatively bleak yeah and it's, it's not it's not it's not like the rolling green hills of Britain, but it's. I think what is nice about the French countryside is it's very like provincial. It's got that obviously it's got that reputation, but you know you can want you you can take in all the battlefields and you wander through and you've got all these like li- little villages. They look like something out of a fairy tale, like mm. and you've got all these. You know you can always find like there's always a local bakery that does insanely good like bread and stuff. Always like, a win, yeah. Yeah, and like, it's just I just love it. I just think and it's not it's just so easy to get to because Amiens what like two hours from Calais so if you wanted to do the self-driving yeah, tour you could literally drive uh, it was really really easy to get yeah. over there and um, I think as well that with the rise in people's interest in the genealogy and you know researching family history and then people find their families in the you know the commonwealth war graves and yeah. you can find find where people are, are buried so i think it's like my mum's great great uncle or something we went oh, and sort of yeah, found cool. found the graves and it, it's it, but it's it's weird because you know we are all um, we're all under 40. We can say that there's several people in this room who are under 30. Oh, God, I feel old saying this. <laughs> um, but, you know, we have no concept really of what of what that was like and how different it was. And it, I mean, the First World War, that was the first time tanks were used. That yeah. was one of the big... My husband and I went to the tank museum in Dorset last summer. He's a big fan of military <laughs> yeah. museums. And it was, but it was fascinating. And in there, there was the, the front page of the Daily Mirror when we had covered the first use of tanks in, wow. in warfare. Oh, we'd, wow. we'd paid I don't know how much money to, some, to a Canadian photographer who had got these pictures so we had the exclusive on the yeah, first yeah that was the about, about Amiens was, was you know that, that concept of modern warfare which we associate in our minds now that was really the first time it had been seen that the sort of throughout the first world war but then you know multiple tanks and, and the infantrymen being used it was um, I mean it was a huge learning experience for, for, for me being there but um, yeah it was um, I feel very privileged to have, to have experienced it history brought to life a yeah. bit but um so uh, last last week we were talking a little bit about the the Vogue interview had just come out. Oh yes, with Beatrice and Eugenie, and um, sort of the top lines and how it was coming across. Russell wasn't Russell wasn't a big fan from of what of what they were saying, but would, so that it was relatively fresh when yeah, it had come out. And yeah, it, it I was, think and maybe I could have. Uh, well, maybe I'd give them a bit of a hard time, but maybe I just felt that they they could have sold themselves a little bit better and maybe used it for speaking about the things that they were passionate about, which they did a little bit. But maybe they made themselves look a bit silly by saying we're real. Yeah, I mean, it did it did start off with all of the really slightly <laughs> quite funny, but um, also ridiculous cushions that they'd got about like I don't know I'm a Duchess or I can't remember exactly what they were, but they were just they were just. The kind of silly cushions that you and I would have at home, but taken to another yeah. uh, another level of irony. But the the sisterly relationship is very sweet in it. And then, the, I mean, the pictures are so. There's one. The one I really love is the one where they're like lying down, laughing, and giggling. Yeah, it's, it's just stunning. really nice. Yeah, I think the photos are amazing. I think that um, from a style point of view, because obviously they've not always had. Um, the best reception when it comes to the outfits obviously the thing that stands out most is Kate and William's wedding um, and you know they've they've coveted some uh, interesting hats uh, over the years um, but I think 
of recent I think the pair of them have, have definitely upped their game I think they realise you know they, they're in you know they're in a fashionable company with Megan and Kate and, and even Sophie Wessex as well um, so I think they've realised you know and they're going to be they've been in the spotlight a lot more because of you know Eugenie's wedding Beatrice has just turned 30 so I think they've and, and obviously that they've agreed to do this uh, Vogue interview and obviously Vogue is the fashion bible so um, what better way than to cover a bit of Erdem and a bit of Dolce & Gabbana and like, I think if all of us had pictures taken from our younger years and shown to the people who know us now they'd probably be a bit horrified by the things that we thought we'd wanted to wear at the time yeah and and I think we were having a conversation the other day they're you know I'm the same age as Eugenie who's 28 and um, Beatrice is 30 so if I look back at pictures of me going out um, you know when I was about 17 18 wearing some sort of um like that you know that kind of shiny material um with a big oversized belt yeah (laughs) Russell's definitely nodding here Scarves as belts, you know, um, (laughs) silver liquid eyeliner, all that jazz. But obviously, apart from, you know, photos on Facebook, because that was just when that all kind of started, you know, we don't grow up in the public eye. Whereas these these two have had to do that and they've had to deal with kind of unwarranted, um, you know, criticism and, you know... um, and opinions on on their style when when you know essentially they're trying to find they're trying to find what what their actual style is and and you know and experimenting and it was interesting that Eugenie was wearing Erdem in yeah. that in that shoot who is clearly her I don't know her favorite designer yeah, and he's and he's one of the favorites you know after we all you know completely did not you know guess Megan's wedding dress designer <laughs> that was a complete surprise on the day Erdem was one of the favourites um, but yeah I think he's definitely the front runner for Eugenie along with Vivian Westwood she has you know worn a lot of her pieces over the years although I think I remember back when Kate got married Vivian came out with a statement that she would never dress the Duchess of Cambridge um, so um, that's interesting if she does pick Vivian Westwood oh. um, yeah Thing. Oh yeah, she could always go vintage, and then Vivian Westwood wouldn't have it any say in the matter <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and the, and there's the whole plastic-free element to her to her wardrobe. So maybe it will be something a bit like you know sustainable fashion, perhaps you know something that Emma Watts, you know, celebrities like Emma Watson have you know a, a renowned for. Um, Colin Firth's wife, I think, as well. I think. Yeah, her, her, I can't remember her name. I do apologise. She is a woman in her own right, and not just Colin Firth's wife. But I think she, you know, she wore um, a, a, a dress made from recycled fabric or something the year that he won the, the, one, her, won the Oscar. She had an eco-friendly label for a while, yeah. didn't she? Yeah, yeah. her yeah. own label. Yeah. Um, we did actually see Eugenie at the weekend, along with Harry and Meghan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really liked Eugenie's sunglasses. I thought they were quite fun and just silly, and um, they'd got a sort of like inner white rims. I mean, they looked, they looked fun. They, I wouldn't call them cool. Yeah, they're very sixties um, inspired. If that's yeah, I, I personally wasn't a fan. Um, I loved her dress. Uh, it was like very obviously she kind of was a bit more in the background than the Megan was in in her Club Monaco dress. Um, but you know, I think I think she looked. I think she looked chic. She looked. She, she you know, it's that typical kind of like, what do I wear for a wedding and not upstage a bride? Mm-hmm. So 
She went simple. The thing I couldn't believe is she was wearing a jacket. It was so hot last weekend. It's absolutely tipping it down. I know you love our little weather updates on Pod Save the Queen. It is raining in London. I have a Hard. cardigan on. I haven't had a cardigan on for about four months. This so, is yeah. unheard of. Um, so, so yeah, Eugene, I would say, yeah, Eugenie looked pretty simple. Megan looked, um, she, well, she was her kind of her signature look, effortlessly elegant, probably. Um, yeah. Club Monaco dress, as you mentioned, colour printed, co- no, colour block, colour block pleated, yeah, dress, um, yeah, with a kind of shirt dress blouse to the top of it, um, yep, and a nice Philip Treacy beret style hat, her favourite. Yeah, the, her, the, sh- the shirt did have its drawback, and it came a little bit unbuttoned at one stage, and there was a little, little flash of royal underwear, which was. I don't think it was underwear though. I had this theory, and. I think it's. I think it was a camisole. I don't think it was a bra. Wow. Because, yeah, because I'm. I don't know. So I, if I, you, you know, you you've always got that blouse that kind of you're like, oh, I'm a bit worried that it's going to gape, and you put like a little cami underneath it, and you know, a little, and and to make it look, you know, like kind of not like a vest, you have a little bit of lace at the top mm. of it. So I think that's what she was planning for that to happen. Yeah, essentially you've got to prepare for or, or all prepared, not planning for it. To yeah, happen, but prepared and protected. <laughs> For that to happen, but um, no, the the wedding looked lovely. I mean, if you were at a wedding last weekend and you had half as much fun as that bride and groom, they looked like they were having oh, a right. whale yeah, of a time. Those pictures were lovely. Yeah, incredible. So um, Daisy, Daisy getting Jinx. married, and yeah. she, uh, she, uh, I, she went quite literal with the flowers. I thought, doesn't you know, her there's floral in the veil and um, floral on the dress. But she, I mean, she looked absolutely stunning yeah I think it's actually one of my favorites of the year like I did I've done a recently done like a celebrity wedding dresses roundup that I keep updating and um but yeah I think you know you can go overboard with florals but I think she and obviously didn't she have daisies in her bouquet as well Oh, um, I love that. Song. Yeah, that's quite cute, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> really cute. But I, I thought, I thought she looked beautiful. Yeah. I and I, basically, with any bride, if they've got a massive smile, then yeah. they're always going to look good. It's always a good place. And to if start. there's one day you can go OTT with flowers if you want to, I feel like it's your mm. wedding day for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you know, the riding off into the sunset with her groom on the little vintage bicycle yeah. as well. <laughs> Being, being with him driving her, that was excellent. Like, I'm going to sit in the back, I'm going to wave to the crowd, surrounded by flowers, I'm going to have a good time. Right, you do the work, mister. Come on, pedal, pedal harder. But her veil I really liked as well. It was quite old, old-fashioned. old I don't know what exactly era it would be, but that sort of like bunching around the front, I don't know, it reminds me of a little bit, maybe almost of the Queen Mother's, the sort of 1920s era of I don't know it just made, made me think of like village weddings and like yeah pride, yeah pride and prejudice but not quite that extreme but yeah it's by a designer actually called Mira I'm really sorry if I mispronounce this wrong but it's Mira Zilwinger mm. um and you can actually buy it um for for a hefty sum I think um but it was so the original that like it was a modification of, of one of her dresses called the Gigi um and but Daisy had hers Customized so that she didn't. The original dress has like off the shoulder details to it, and she had the off the shoulder cuff details taken off, so that it was a strapless, strapless. number. No. Yeah. Very elegant, um, and we wish the pair of them very happy married life. Um, so Harry and Meghan, we think are they're off on holiday now. The royals generally are off royals on holiday. holiday. No doubt they'll probably go up to um, Balmoral to see the Queen, as most of the royal family do over the next couple of months. Um, 
I think they take it on in turns to to sort of go and visit her. Um, but yeah, generally just having a bit of a relax, relaxing time off. Especially Harry and Meghan have got a big tour coming up in October. So, um, and fingers crossed we'll all be there to, well... Well, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in the office. Hopefully one of <laughs> us will be there. Um, and that's in sort of late October, right the way through to November. So they've got, um, they've got a busy period ahead. Absolutely. We're sitting, sitting up in Balmoral in the gardens with a G&T, reading, yeah. reading Lonely Planet. Yeah. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go in Australia? Yeah. Maybe not today, though. <laughs> Maybe Raining not. if we haven't uh, Maybe not mentioned. today. Um, Balmoral, so that's Queen's yeah. summer, summer residence. It is open to the public at other times of the yeah, year. Yeah, so it's open to the public from April to July. But what I love is that, I don't think some people realise, but the Queen actually goes to Balmoral while it's still open to the public, but she doesn't stay in the castle. She stays in um, this cottage called... I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I know, but Crago and Lodge. But, I mean, people say it's a cottage, but it's got, like, seven bedrooms and, like, giant (laughs) gardens. So I think cottage isn't, you know, I don't think they're holed up by the fireplace. But, yeah, so her and the Duke of Edinburgh have been going... Well, she's been going since she was a child. Um, I think she's literally spent... You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she spent literally every single summer in Balmoral, um, which is, like, I love that so much because everyone's got that, like, summer place they always go back to, but I don't think I know anyone who goes back every single summer. Yeah, um, like but then, like... 80 years. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> or more. But then Balmoral, so you've got the castle where they take up residence from end of July through to, like, October, I think. Um, but the actual estate is 50,000 acres, and it's got, like, insane forests and like huge mountains that you can like go hiking so I don't know in my head I was like oh my god it must be so like boring to go back to the same place but actually if you've got 50,000 acres to I mean I can't imagine the queen now is running around all 50,000 but we're still running horses yeah they've got so many horses yeah Yeah. make the pony do the work (laughs) (laughs) and it must be I think it must be really nice for her because she has like no official duties but then she goes um it's like what's it called it's called like the Braemar the Highland Games they always go to. Yeah, and I, love, oh, yeah, I always love those pictures. Yeah, I love those pictures because they do like tug of war and they like they do like sack races and stuff. And it's the only thing that you tend to see her out publicly around that time. But um, the rest of the time, I think they're just just enjoying some downtime. And obviously, all the royals go, but they also invite like other members of like friends and family. So I think even though that it is their holiday, I feel like they must just be hosting the entire time. Yeah, well, for instance, you've got some charming things about how they can invite other people up there. Yeah. And, you know, the Queen doesn't do the barbecue, but she's been known to pour the tea for the guests. Yeah. And some of the other family get involved in doing the barbecue and stuff. So it does feel like it's sort of more of a relaxed scene around them. And um, I'm sure it's, uh, you know, all come together. And, yeah. yeah. More at home. A bit more oh. relaxed on my family holiday, which we had on the <laughs> last week. Yeah, it's not it's not where I'm going on holiday either. Yeah. So oh, sad. Maybe next maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> maybe next year. You can go to the Scottish Highlands and you can it's you can actually stay on the estate. Um they have a whole bunch of holiday cottages. But I I don't know like pricing and stuff, but I think you can just But it's absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean if you're gonna have a royal themed holiday then you know, that is a possibility. possibility. <laughs> Any other top tips for royal themed holidays? Um, well, so most of them go to Balmoral, but um, they really like a European getaway, which is, which is, again, I really like that because, you know, they're the royals. They could go and spend it in the Caribbean or they could go like somewhere really exotic, like a tropical island. But um, they tend to go to like Cyprus and Corfu and like France, which like they're like, Kate and Will went to Biarritz a couple of years ago. Um, and I think the Tyndalls went to Cyprus. And it's just quite, I just quite like that they pick quite down to earth destinations and they obviously I think 
they're not like running out onto public beaches like we're on holiday here but I think they just do sort of kind of do a little low-key go explore what's around there so I was reading just before we came in that um Harry and Meghan before their wedding they'd had it they popped down to Nice and they flew economy class on British Airways sitting near the toilets yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what though some people say that's the best seat because you get the least like the um cabin crew don't keep coming up and down if because they're more tend to be more at the front so but I don't I don't know if that's necessarily I don't think I'd want to sit by the toilets every time and then the Tyndalls in fact they've, they're kind of Never mind holiday. They're sort of back to their norm, their normal lives. They were out at um, the Gatcom event, three day venting at the at the weekend. So Zara's was it probably about not long over a month ago that she's had had the baby back mm-hmm. out again. So there's no sign of the baby in the pictures, but we saw Mia looking. You know, she's a proper cheeky scamp. She's, so, about. she's so cute. Yeah, she's very cute. And then. Um, Zara and Mike Tyndall having you know a little smooch in public and just just being normal people probably yeah. and you know just yeah there's a bit of a mutual bit of a mutual like you know loving loving pat so it's you know, I'm a big I like the Tyndalls I think they're, yeah, they're, they're just great. quite normal I'm I, also a big fan of the Olympics which helps so you know yeah and they're just quite funny like even before um, Harry and Meghan's wedding when Mike Tyndall was joking about being the best man or he joked that he hadn't been asked or something I just love them I think. They're, they're quite cool. Um, so William and Kate, I think they did go to. They were in Mystique recently, weren't they? So they do. They've, they've had squeezed in a little bit of a bit of Caribbean. A, yeah. But I think that's because um, the Middletons have a holiday home there. Which I mean, that you know, I'd love a holiday home there. But I think um, they spent George's fifth birthday. Was that was that right? I think they went there. But I, I yeah, they go. They've gone a couple of times, and I, it's just quite nice. I think because it's a bit private for them. It's, it's a tiny island and. I don't think it's the easiest place to get to. It's quite a lot of travel, which I'm guessing if you're a royal and you're getting to travel in a nice jet or a nice plane. But I think it's just quite nice for them because they're completely out of the public eye. So when does the royal year start again? Well, I think so. Where are we now? We can't be in the first week of August. It's done already. But um, I think towards the uh, middle to the end of September, we're going to see a bit more activity, uh, a couple of engagements, and then um, and then obviously all October we're really, really busy as far as Harry and Meghan are concerned. Then we'll have this uh, more centenary celebrations in November. And then, before you know it, we'll hit Christmas. So there's going to be an awful lot to look forward to. Sandring all over again. Absolutely. And another royal wedding. And another royal yes, wedding. Yes, another royal wedding, of course. <laughs> yeah, which is the... 10th, 12th. 12th, yeah. yeah. 12th of October. 12th of October. So, yeah, that, that will be a really busy period, I reckon, from the middle of September right the way through to after November, catch your breath, and then Christmas. So, um, as I mentioned, it's Danielle's last podcast... So we're going to miss her. We're going to miss her very sadly. Um, but before we let her go, we should probably ask her what her royal highlight has been while she's been doing while she's been doing royal things. A favorite, maybe a favorite outfit and a favorite story. I didn't warn her. I was going to ask. Oh, her. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah totally they put her on the spot. confusion on my face. Um, I didn't. You know, I'll just start with a little anecdote. How maybe that how I got to ended up doing this in the first place. I think it was like the royal tour back in 2016 when they went to. Was it India they went to in 2016? Yeah, was that the India and Bhutan trip? Or was that 2000? I think it was 2015. Off the top of my head anyway. Um, but I think I realised very quickly that I, um, you know, I, I could ID Kate's outfits. Um, and she is a creature of habit and she does wear this, you know, she does tend to recycle pieces. Um, but I do remember, I think she changed in one day about four times. And I was like, 
near to like you know kind of sitting under my desk going no please don't change again <laughs> make it stop <laughs> um but yeah it, it's it's been fascinating actually to to watch the kind of change in the royal family um and you know obviously the introduction of Meghan you know like is it this time last year there was like oh there's all these rumors about that he's dating the Suits actress Meghan Markle and you know seeing her like you know obviously if you are a Suits fan, you know who she is. And I was quite obsessed with Rachel Zane, her character's wardrobe as it is. Um, but then it was just like, everyone wanted to know like, where she, what she was wearing, where it was from. Um, and seeing the kind of Megan effect, like the Kate effect, I think has been you know, one of the most interesting things to cover. And obviously the Royal Wedding. Um, if you listen to our podcast in the day, you'll know that Anne Gripper... Amber, Zoe and I were very, very hyperactive. <laughs> oh yeah, there was quite a lot of giggling that day, wasn't there? Yeah, but you know, it's that kind of like, you know, I wasn't here when Kate and William got married. Um, I was still in uni, but... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Danielle's oh, not the one that's under 40. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> but, you know, that excitement of, oh my God, she's in the car, what tiara is she wearing? Um, trying to, you know, racing through kind of... There's a, there's a fantastic website, I think, called the um, the Royal Vault. Um, which has all the information about the, the the royal family's jewels on it and you know trying to figure out which one she was wearing and the history behind it and then it was like oh my god she's got out of the you know she's out of the car now and you know and then that total surprise that it was Givenchy um yeah just the, the t- you know covering it from the the start of the the day to the end and you know when she ch- changed into that fabulous Stella McCartney cocktail dress was you know it was it was 100 miles an hour I don't think I actually watched much of the ceremony to be honest <laughs> I had my mum asking me loads of questions afterwards about you know did you see this bit did you see that bit no mum I was too busy typing so <laughs> yeah I would say you know it's, it's probably cliche but yeah the royal wedding was definitely one of my highlights so and thank you for listening to all of my uh, ramblings about outfits and cataloging oh, no. things yeah. we've enjoyed them we've enjoyed them <laughs> I think I may have confessed before that I've still got William and Kate's wedding on my like hard drive at home intending to watch it because I was again in the office here and I'd never watched it yeah properly. yeah no, I should probably just delete it. <laughs> it no, it's a good one because I do actually remember watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Got to watch that one. So. so, all right. So I guess all that's left is um, to wish Danielle the very best of luck in her new job Thank and you. to wish everybody uh, listening a very happy holiday if you're getting to have one. Um, and my lovely colleagues, thank you for joining me. Happy holidays to you. And we'll be back in a few weeks. So um, subscribe to the show do get in touch on Twitter or an email. Let us know what what you think, what you'd like to hear about in the autumn when we're back. Um, try and rustle up some more guests to come and visit and uh, talk about other facets of royal life. But until next time... God save the Queen! 